I have a neighbor who obviously loves holidays and he loves the 4th of July because he has an inexhaustible supply of fireworks. They start early in the morning and they go until late at night. I'm sure if you were to go to my street right now, you'd, you'd see them. They, they, they just continue. I was raised in kind of a lower middle income class and we couldn't always afford the fireworks we wanted, but you know what we did have? Sparklers. Do you have those? You remember those? It's like poor people fireworks. <laughs> you just kind of wave them. I did not know, did you know, that a sparkler burns between 2,000 and 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, to put that in perspective, iron melts at 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit. And we would throw these at each other. <laughs> Because we're kid, we're Americans, and that's the kind of stuff we do, you know. That's that's what we do. Um, if you were in kindergarten, or elementary school, or middle school, or high school, or college, or graduate school, you have read lists. People think in lists, and they, and they share information in lists sometimes. You probably made lists studying. Uh, you still do. You probably memorized lots of lists uh, in your life. Today, we're going to look at some kind of curious, uh, unusual lists uh, that Agor has for us in Proverbs chapter 30. Now, last week, we saw about, I think, five takeaways from Agor, and we're going to get another one today. And we're going to read these lists uh, that he gave us. And then next week, we're going to look at the prayer itself. You know, the, the whole point kind of of, of what Agor's uh, proverb is about. So let's get started. This first list is a reality check. Agor lists four things that uh, here on earth, he says, are not satisfied. And And keep in mind... When Agor says, we're going to look at this in just a second, you know, he says, I, I can think of three things. Oh, I, I think of four things. Uh, that's not exhaustive. He's not saying, and, and that's it. He's saying, I'm starting a list. This is the beginning of it, but he's got other things that he could say, and he could keep going with that. So uh, as he does that, just sort of keep that in mind. You could add to the list. Uh, it, it's just a way of beginning. And, and here's where he begins. This is where he starts in Proverbs 30, verse 15. He says there are three things that are never enough, four that never say enough, the grave, the barren womb, land, which is never satisfied with water, and fire, which never says enough. Now, I never would have put that list together, would you? Uh, but Agur wants to remind us that this world is this is broken this is this is not you know we had our chance at paradise and and we chose to leave the garden of eden you know god said you i'm not going to force you to stay here if you don't want to stay here uh and even today he doesn't ever say i'm going to force you to be in a relationship with me he gives you that that choice you know, do, do you want to do that? Well, we said, no, thank you. We'd rather be on our own. And now we live in a fallen world. Uh, and as a 
part of that fallen world, in, in this atmosphere, there are evils that you can't escape, that you're never going to escape. And just becoming a Christian, you know, being, being a follower of Jesus was never meant to be a guarantee that it's not going to rain on your 4th of July, uh, that you're never going to get sick, you're not going to be broke, uh, that everything's going to go your way, nobody's ever going to break up with you, that life's just going to just move in the way you want it to, always in pleasant places. Uh, and, and Eagle reminds us of that. There are evils that we cannot escape. There are um, you know, conclusions to things. The first he mentions is the grave. And that's a little, you know, feels dark, but death is inevitable. Um, and remember, uh, we only have so much time on this earth. And eternity awaits. I was with a friend yesterday who is celebrating his 100th birthday, J.O. Gates. Now, he may live for it. He may be here when Jesus comes, whenever that is. You know, he's just one of those guys that's just still going. But the fact that, um, that earth is temporary, that eternity is, is permanent, this is, is a spiritual truth. It's, a, it's a kind of a foundational spiritual truth. And he also mentions then a, a woman who cannot bear children. This is an emotional truth. And if you are or you know a woman or a couple who is aching for a child, then, then you recognize, you empathize, you feel that emotional burden uh, that they carry. And it's not just that situation, but there are all kinds of circumstances, right, that, that, that cause this emotional burden. Um, I, I used to say, I'd rather somebody break my arm than break my heart. You know, that's a little dramatic, a little over the top. But, but you understand what I mean when I say, well, none of us like that when we go through, when we're at a place just emotional burden is almost harder and, and just more oppressive than a physical burden. And most of us, you, you get that, you understand. So the question is, or that we need to ask ourselves, is in those moments, in those seasons and places in people's life, how can I bring comfort and compassion to my friends? to my neighbors, to strangers, and to family members who are hurting. And I think if you are aware of that and put yourself in a place of, God, how can I, what can I do? What's the next, next right thing? Where, where can I, what's my next move? And, and st as I step forward and into this, this person's life, God's going to give you all kinds of creative ideas. I was listening, I'm not sure it was a podcast, I, I don't know where I heard this, it was this week, and it was through an electronic device. That's as far as I can go. Um, and they said, when, when I, I get to a grocery store and the, what do you call the checkout person? I've actually done that. I don't remember what, it, what but you know what I'm talking about. The cashier, clerk, uh, and they're having a bad day and they're overwhelmed. This person said, here's what I do. 
because there's always candy right there, you know, uh, that they get, yeah, and if you have children or grandchildren, you know that's very purposeful, and they're at this level, they're, you know, their eye level, but uh, this part, she said, I always just look at this candy and say, hey, you know what, I want a candy bar, but I can't decide which one I want. What is your favorite? And she said, whatever they, they say, I buy that, and then I give it to them. I think, that's kind of cool. I'm, I might start doing that if I weren't so cheap. I'm, I might do that. You know? But there are ways you can do, and I know you think, well, that's a little fluffy, you know, and I get it, but you can, you can dive deeper. You can think, what can I do? to come alongside someone who is at an emotional place in their life. And one of the things we can do that I think is powerful and valuable is that we can pray. And even when I say that, I, I, I feel like, you know, I was sitting on the back porch yesterday and I was looking at this and I thought, that's going to sound like such a cliche. Well, I'll just be praying for you. But we really need to pray and not just say that and not just put the little, you know, thing... Uh, next, to, we, we need to pray for one another. So, at the end of this message, in just a few minutes, pastors always say that it's such a lie. In a few minutes, and just and, and in closing, you think, yeah, whatever. Uh, but as as we move forward and and at the conclusion of this, I would like for us to pray with and for one another. So, if you have an emotional burden, or maybe even a physical problem, a financial problem. We may not be able to resolve, resolve it for you, but we could pray with you. You could pull us in. You don't even have to tell us what it is. But uh, we're going to take a moment as we, we sing together at the end. And we're just going to gather here. And if, if you have a need, I just want you to kneel right here. And if you see someone with that uh, and the Spirit leads you, would you just come pray over them and just bless them with a prayer? I think that's a big part of why we're here and what God does with us. The next thing that Agur mentions is a thirsty land. That's a physical truth. Um, and if you remember back in middle school class, uh, and if you were on Zoom, you probably didn't get it because you were, you were doing something else as you watched, but you learned about the water cycle that never ends. Remember that? There's rain and plants and underground water and rivers and oceans and clouds and, and all, all of that they play their part in this example, this illustration of how organized God's creation is. That's just crazy to me how in, in every one of these places, whether it's outer space or whether it is under the ocean or in this place or on the land, that everything has to sync and fit and work in harmony together in such a way that it stays balanced. It's just beautiful, and it, and it works, it, it, and, it, and it works. And then he mentions fire, uh, which I don't know if that just popped into his head, or if the Holy Spirit just said, write fire, write fire. But I'm going to push that in with, you know, it's a physical reminder of God's power, uh, his provision. Fire gives light, it cooks our food, it warms us, it does all those things. But uh, it can also be very devastating, Right? Uh, and we remember, those of us in East Tennessee, when in Gatlinburg, uh, I was there just a couple of weeks ago, and you can still see the devastation. You can still see the trees that were burnt and everything, and things, you know, starting to grow back. Uh, but the fire never got to a place where it thought, oh, that's it, you know, 
I'm full, done with trees, vegetation, everything, we're not going to eat anymore. You know, we're, we're not going to burn up anything else, I'm just done. No, fire never says enough. It just keeps going until it's exhausted. So continuing with Agor's, this, these five quirky lists, this second one uh, we'll call Amazing Mysteries. I've been waiting all weekend to say it like that. And here's what he says in verse 18. There are three things that are too amazing for me. Four that I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with a young woman. <laughs> I, gotta say, I don't know how he connects these things, uh, but he does. And Agor's second list affirms that God's ways are just so creative and so far beyond human imagination. And I actually prefer a God like that, that I can't figure out, uh, that has a much better handle on how things work than I do. And if you've ever talked with someone who, you know, is skeptical, and there have been scenes in my life I was skeptical, and I think, wait a minute, well, how about this? And I remember asking my Christian friends these ludicrous questions not because I really wanted to know, but because I was trying to make a point or I was avoiding, you know, the big issue, who is Jesus? And if he's really who he said he was, that demands a response. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with that? And all these other things. But I'm so glad that I don't understand so much that I can be confident that he does. Aker gives these four examples of how the creator of the universe works in ways that we may never completely understand. He says, how an eagle flies, how a snake moves, how does a boat float? <laughs> uh, and I've thought about that one as I look at some of these huge battleships, you know, and you're thinking, shouldn't that just, you know, drop down? And then he says, how God designed attraction, love, romance, and sex. So with this list, Agur shows his appreciation for God's design when it comes to just almost every subject, every, every topic, biology and physics and human nature. Uh, he doesn't have just this one field that he specializes in and that he, you know, continued to study and, and you know, got his, you know, bachelor's and master's and PhD and things. He says, I know all about this one thing. God says, I know about all of these things. An eagle in flight, how snakes slither, <laughs> how a boat floats. You know, we think we're smart when we learn just a little bit about one of these things. You know, when I think, okay, scientists, have, have, they, they can calculate buoyancy and water displacement. But we forget that God didn't just figure all that out. He designed that. He invented that in all these different ways. Uh, and something that baffles, I think, every generation is men and women in relationship with one another. I mean, every song and movie and TV show, you know, some, some way kind of brings that to light and uses that as, as part of this, this thing, we, we can't figure this out exactly. Uh, I, I want to remind you today, and I'll I put this in, in my notes, that God completely understands your relational issues. Whether it's the person you're in love with, 
whether it's your mama, <laughs> your cousin, your best friend, you know, all these relational topics and issues that we go through and these experiences that we have and our feelings and all of that, but especially for those of you who are in love and you're having struggles and you're having problems, God sees that. He understands that. And he is the perfect one to go to. Sometimes we go to books and podcasts and we go to, you know, and I'm all for counseling. I do a lot of counseling. But listen, God designed that and he built you the way he built you. So doesn't it make sense to go to him, to go to the Lord? Don't save that for your plan B, C, or D, or, you know, but make that plan A. I'm just, I'm going to take this to the Lord. Um, the first thing. Okay, so with this odd list, Agar reminds us of how God's designs work. Something until I'd read this proverb uh, that I hadn't thought a lot about. And I thought, wow, that really is very cool, you know, the, the way that, that God did this. And we may not understand it, but we trust it. And if you're a doubter, you think, well, until I can understand this, I'm not going to embrace it. Well, would you then be consistent with everything else? I don't 100% understand how my car works, <laughs> but I drove it here today. I don't understand exactly how my cell phone works. I've got kind of an idea, but I don't understand so, many, so much of this. Uh, someone called me. I sat on my front porch, and they said, I'm thinking about getting the vaccine. And I, I wanted to call you, Pastor, and ask you, is there a chip in that vaccine where they can trace me down and find me and get me? I said, well, I, I don't think so. Why would they want to get you? <laughs> you, know, you work at this place, and I don't think they're after you. You know, maybe you're a little. But there's a lot of things we don't understand, but we just we step forward. Um, this next list, list three, we're going to call human blunders. Here's what he says in verse 21. Under three things, the earth trembles. Uh, under four. Agar, I love, I love, Agar and I think a lot alike, you know, he's just kind of putting it out there as it comes to his mind. Under four, it cannot bear up. A servant who becomes king, a godless fool who gets plenty to eat, a contemptible woman who gets married, uh, and by the way, I think contemptible is an underused word in today's society. I just, I just challenge you, put that in your vocabulary this week in conversation. Well, that's contemptible. You know, it's it's kind, of a, kind of a southern sound to it. A contemptible woman who gets married and a servant who displaces her mistress. Agar may not be talking about literal earthquakes here, but um, our mistakes and sometimes our behaviors... Um, can cause relationships to erupt, can cause kingdoms to collapse. Uh, and he gives four examples. He said, when someone without any experience or the, you know, the, the training becomes a king, we've all seen, you've probably worked for a company, uh, you've maybe been part of a political system that you thought that person should not be in that position, but somehow they are there. You know, their brother-in-law hired them and gave them whatever happened. They're there, and you think, wow, they shouldn't be there. And, and that's Agur's point. He says, you know, we, we've, we've seen that. 
Uh, he says, when a godless fool gets away or gets everything they want without earning their way. So those of you who you know, think I should just be given things, Edgar says, no, not really, not so much. You should earn that. You should work because when you don't do that, it creates, uh, it shifts something in people's mentality and in and, and, and the way that they see life and what's due us and all of that kind of thing. So parents, um, just a little, a little nudge to you. Be careful how much you just give. You just give without requiring any kind of, uh, and they're all looking at me like, stop, stop saying that. But, you know, any kind of ownership or responsibility uh, or, or anything like that. Don't make me stop. Don't make, don't make me, you know, tell you about my childhood. Back when I was a boy, okay, I, I won't do that. But, um, but, but that's one of the things he says, wow, you know, when they do that. Another human mistake, um, he says, is getting married for reasons other than love. And just a piece of just pastoral ad- advice, don't marry for money uh, or out of lust or spite or I have seen several people marry to escape their parents you know it was it was their vehicle out of the house and in six months or a year later they go I think I'd rather be back with mom and dad than in this situation this relationship so um, marry somebody because you simply can't imagine living without that person that's that's why you marry. I know it's a Western idea. I know it's a, uh, a romantic idea, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick to it. Well, the last thing on this list is a servant who displaces her mistress. This is a warning uh, about temptation. A warning to all of you married men, to all of you married women... Uh, to be especially careful in your relationship. To honor that, to hold that of high value, and to guard that, to, to guard that relationship. He talks about ants and hyrexes. Do you know what a hyrex is? Uh, you can Google it. It's, it's about this big, and it's, it's, some people call them conies. They're just little furry animals. Uh, uh, locusts and lizards. These are the focus or the, the examples that Agar uses on his fourth list, and we'll call this small wonders. Okay? He says, four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Uh, ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyrexes are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags. Locusts have no king. Yet they advance together in ranks. A lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it's found in king's palaces. So what do we learn from these critters? (laughs) Mostly, what I see is that they, they take full advantage of the limited gifts that they've been given. You know, so often we're like, I wish I could do this or that skill and I pursued this and it becomes real obvious. It became really obvious to me about eighth, ninth grade, I was not going to be a star football player at our high school. You know, I was half the size of the other 80, literally 80 guys who were dressed out and they're all giants and I I just like, you know, I thought, okay, 
I'm not gifted. I'm not going to be able to do that. That is, that is not what, who I am. But God, what have you given me? What, what has God given you? Where has he placed you? He says, ants wisely store food for the winter. These hyrixes, you know, they kind of pop up. They're kind of sneaky. They hide in these hillside, these rocky crags. Locusts have no leaders yet, um, and we, we don't really have these here, but they can spread destruction. They can eat crops, like, really effectively and really quickly. And then this last one, I think it's kind of funny, uh, lizards that just sneak into castles. What a great image, because you see these palace guards, and the ones who got to serve in the castle were the elite. You know, they were, they were the, uh, the best of the best. And so you see these big hulking guys, you know, all weaponed up and armored up, and, you know, they're, they're tough and they're, they're fearsome. Uh, but a lizard comes in, and they're bumping into each other trying to catch it. They can't, they can't get past it. It, out, you know, it. it gets away from them. So, you know, Aker might be telling us, hey, stop taking yourself so seriously. Stop building your world around you and making everything so self-centric. Maybe it's not about you today. You know, maybe it's not. I think there's, there's some of that in, in what he's saying here. And so when you don't take yourself so seriously, then that frees you up. And you can stop panicking when all these details and these minor things don't go your way. It's not that big a deal. It's okay. It's just you can let it. You can let it go. Maybe the the main lesson of this list is that God sees you. Your physical problems, your your emotional, your all of all of these issues. God says, hey, I see you, and I care about that. I care about all of it. The the big picture of your life. And these small details, these little things in your life, I see that. And I care about that too. Now, this final list presents these four images of things that are seemingly significant, you know, important. But all of whom are on, this, on the verge of a fall. And we'll call it, you know, the foolishness of the king. Or the foolishness of kings. Verse 29 says, there are three things that are stately in their stride. Four <laughs> That move with stately bearing. A lion, mighty among beasts, who retreats before nothing. A strutting rooster, a he-goat, and a king secure against revolt. If you play the fool and exalt yourself, or if you plan evil, clap your hand over your mouth. For as churning cream produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood... So, stirring up anger produces strife. That's a good list, that, and it tells us that earthly kingdoms don't last forever. You may think you're invincible, you may feel that way, you may feel like the team you're on or the group you're a part of or the affiliation you have, we're, we're invincible. And I'm not sure about your personal, you know, we all have our own little kingdoms and little empires and everything. I'm not so sure, you know, but no, no matter how powerful you feel in the moment or you think you are, when you exalt yourself, when you actively plan evil, 
when you stir up anger, trouble is coming your way. You're in for trouble. You're in for trouble. This is a warning against destructive pride. A few Proverbs before this, by a different offer in Proverbs number 16, uh, he warns us against pride when he, when he says pride goes before destruction. First pride, it's just going to lead to destruction. Well, those are Agur's list. That's his, those are his five lists, and I know that's a lot to take in. You know, I was kind of bumping through these, and I thought, a list feels like a list. Uh, the physical world has limits. There are mysteries we're, we just don't understand. Uh, humans, yes, we make mistakes. We make mistakes. Small things matter. And even earthly kings need to remember who the ultimate authority is. Agur's list covers a lot of ground. Uh, but, but this list, it, affects, it effectively points... I think to one more takeaway uh, that he connects to what we talked about last week, and it's this. You can anticipate God's eternity. We are not home yet. This is very temporary. And all those questions that you have and maybe you've had since childhood, they'll be answered. The Lord is our king, and he sees you, and he knows you, and he knows all this. He knows it all, and he can give you a much better life. He can bring you into that sweet spot, that place that he made you to live in, and where you just feel that contentment. And that peace, no matter what's going on around you and the circumstances that you encounter, you think, wow, I just, God, I'm in that sweet spot with you. And I, and I feel that. So, what do you think uh, about Agur? Uh, he's given us, so far, six takeaways. And we haven't even gotten to the prayer yet, which... We named the whole series uh, about the prayer. So next week, we're going to look at that. But before next week, what I'd like for you to do, I'm going to ask you to do, because I think you'll get a lot more out of it, is to go ahead and read Proverbs 30. Okay? Just read just read the entire proverb. Uh, just go back and look at those lists uh, again. Consider those. Be thoughtful about it. And then look at that prayer. Look specifically at the prayer of Agur so that when you step into the room next week, you'll think, okay, I'm familiar with this. I've read the prayer, uh, and, and then we'll, we'll talk about that. Now, here's the heart. I'll go ahead and give you a hint. Here's kind of the, the, the core of that prayer is in verse 8. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Now, I said a few moments ago that um, we would like to spend just a moment and close our worship today with just a, a little time of prayer. And if you have something on your heart or there's a burden or a difficulty, even if you want to be the advocate, you know, for a friend, and if you were to come and say, well, this is really not about me, but here's someone 
that I'm very concerned about or I know is hurting or I know is in this place, would you join me and pray with them? Then we're going to do that. So we're just going to take a few minutes to pray together. And then we're going downstairs. We're going to celebrate July 4th. We've got sort of an indoor picnic uh, with some hot dogs and hamburgers and all the fixings and everything. And we hope you can stay. And if, if you didn't bring anything, don't worry about it. Just stay. You're invited. We hope you'll eat lunch with us and just enjoy some time together. Right now, before we do that, let's pray over each other. Okay? Would you stand?